Ovechkin storming in. Alexander Ovechkin curl and drag to the back end. He scores! Simply sensational! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pizzas Here podcast, your home for all Washington Capitals content and news. Today's we're, today we're back for Season 2, Episode 11, joined by a very special guest, Mike Vogel, the Washington Capitals' own senior editor and content strategist since 1999. Mike, thanks so much for being here today. How are you? I'm good, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate the invitation. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Thank of course. you so much for coming on. All right, so so our first question for you today is, uh, what's it like working for the Capitals as a senior editor, and uh, what was your journey like, you know, bringing you to that position? I mean, it was uh, not not a straight line for sure. Um, I, I went to school to be uh, I, like I studied radio, TV, film. I majored in radio, TV, film. Had a minor in business, and never expected to be doing this. Um, but I always liked writing and I always liked reading. Um, I tended bar like into my early thirties and didn't really do anything in this field until, uh, it was 29 years ago this month that I moved from Chicago where, where I kind of grew up to, um, to Baltimore. And at that point I started working for a company that, um, produced uh, all kinds of magazines, uh, mostly those like entertainment magazines that go in hotels and such, um, but also some a sports magazine uh, called Outside Pitch that was sold outside Camden Yards. Um, the, the, the ballpark had just opened up. The Orioles were big uh, at the time. And, and I was a massive baseball fan as, as I was a hockey fan uh, growing up too. So it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I was doing layout and design. I was doing editing. I was doing writing. And one day, the guy who owned the uh, the magazine came back from a lunch meeting and said, "Hey, I just made a deal with the um, Capitals to produce their game program. This would have been the summer of 1995." And he said, um, "But I don't know anything about hockey." And I just kind of threw my hand up and said, "I'll uh, I'll happily take care of this for you if you." if you let me and and um, that I worked it out with them so that I could buy my own computer um, and work from home. Our, our little office was kind of cramped and crowded. We didn't have enough uh, space or machinery for the, the number of people that worked there. So he was he was cool with that. And um, my wife was pregnant at the time. And I thought, well, I mean, this will be great if I can work from home and I can do this and I can still go to practices and such. And I mean, it, it wound up working out great that I was I was able to cover the team starting with the 95-96 season. Um, I didn't go to every game, uh, but I went to probably 80% of the home games and um, as many practices as I could get to. And, I mean, it was great. I, I just sort of covered it like a beat and, and wrote, you know, everything that I could for – I think we had a four-year contract, so – the third year, and this is, you know, the first couple of years we were still, they were still playing at um, Capital Center, U.S. Air Arena out in Landover. And um, I guess it was, uh, well, third year they went to the cup final. That, that was pretty pretty entertaining. That's when my, my second kid, my son, was born right between the uh, second and third round. So his timing was really good. 
Um, and at the end of the 98-99 season, the season after they went to the cup final, the contract was up and I figured, well, okay, that was a fun ride. What am I going to do next? And it was around that time that Ted Leonsis bought the caps and I got a, a phone call one day uh, from a company called Ignite Sports Media that I'd never heard of. And they asked me, they said, listen, um, we, uh, we're a startup company. We, we are creating websites for pro sports teams. This is in 1999. And they, they had this vision, like, they're telling me all about how people are going to be watching games on their phones. And I'm like, sure. Um, you know, all this stuff that actually obviously came, came true into fruition that they had, they had the vision. Um, what they didn't have was, uh, the, the capital to survive. So they were only in business for a couple of years and, and they went belly up. But in the meantime, they hired me to, um, to, to run the cap site and to write for it. And so basically for, for those two seasons, I was working in the capital's office but I was getting paid by Ignite Sports Media. They were based out of Chicago and they had, they were doing like the San Francisco Giants. Um, they eventually did the Orioles. They, they, they really did reach uh, a number of, uh, they had eight or nine teams in the NFL, the NHL and MLB. But the whole thing crashed when MLB decided to pull all of their websites in-house and do them themselves because they realized what kind of revenue they could generate by doing so and the NHL followed suit. And so all of a sudden Ignite was left without clients, et cetera, and they went belly up. Um, so again, I was, you know, at a little bit of a crossroads thinking, well, that was fun for a couple of years. What's next? And I was really fortunate at that point that the Capitals and uh, specifically Dick Patrick, who's been the president of the team for you know, I think about 40 years now, um, called me in and said, listen, we, we like the work that you're doing and we'd like you to keep doing it and just, you know, do it for us. So that was, that was 20 years ago this past summer, um, 2001. So, uh, the ride has continued, um, and, and, you know, hopefully will for, uh, for a while longer. Um, but what's it like? I mean, that's how I got here, but, um, for me, it's, it's a great job because, Every day is completely unpredictable. Anything can happen. Um, pro sports, um, that's just the way it is. You know, you, you walk in someday, there, there could be a trade. A coach could get uh, hired, fired. Um, crazy stuff happens, like uh, this last road trip that I just got back from, like, 20 minutes before we started, uh, you know, talking here. And, uh, I mean, you know, you look at the lineup last night going into the game and you're you don't have high expectations, but you're interested to see how it plays out. And, um, you know, every day you can find something interesting, something to chew on, something to write about, something to explore a little further. And, you know, it's that old adage, if you can find something that you love to do and figure out a way to get paid to do it, it's, it's almost like you're not even working. So Definitely. Um, I've been lucky enough to do that now for, uh, I guess, what, 25, 26 years. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll do it as long as I can and as, as long as they'll let me because, uh, like I said, it's a blast. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I've never been the kind of guy that was cut out for a nine-to-five job or desk job. I, I keep non-traditional hours. Uh, I'm usually up in the middle of the night and 
this job is just, you know, kind of, it, it, it kind of fits me and hopefully uh, I've fit it over the years as well. Yeah, definitely. We can't hear you, Will. You're muted. Will, you're muted. On the, on the toll bar. You hear me now? Yes. Okay, cool. I guess I must have clicked a by accident. No, I muted you guys while um, I was talking. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so you've been senior writer since 1999, correct? Yeah. So uh, I figure a lot of things about that position, you know, would have changed since 1999. You know, the advent of social media, the massive expansion of the mm -hmm. internet, changes in how things are broadcasted. So w what about your job looks different right now today uh, than it did when you started in 1999? And how have things yeah. evolved through your position? Tons of, tons of things, Will. Like, you know, like I said, when, you know, I was a writer, strictly a writer when I started. Um, and as the job evolved and as the site itself evolved um ignite was always looking to push the envelope and and grow and expand and at the beginning of our second year they they gave us a camera and said here you shoot some interactions with players do do whatever you know think of think of fun things to do let let your mind um wander do, do whatever you want with it so we, we would um you know do player interviews and such uh we we did little uh little shows uh we came up with quirky little things that that we could do i mean i did a one-on-one -on -one interview with people like gary bettman back then um phil esposito uh anybody that that came into the building um because i wasn't traveling in those days um anyone that came into the building and and you know had some cachet. We we would ask them, and, and I think most people in this in this business are are pretty um, receptive to to talking to people and and um, when they're asked. And the only the only strange part about that was we were probably too far ahead of our time because people's internet connections. And we were doing these interviews, and some of them were 10, 15 minutes long, and people didn't have the, uh, they had dial up still in those days, a lot of them. And we'd put these, uh, these shows up in uh, way more than 50% of the people who frequented the site weren't able to watch them or, or view them because the, the buffering and all, all those, those sorts of things. So, um, there was that. And then, you know, eventually, um, more video came in even after I moved from McKnight to the Capitals. Um, um, we, we started up something called the Capitals Report in March of 2002. And I mean, the term podcast didn't exist in those days because iPods hadn't come out yet. Um, we called it a web radio show, but it was for all intents and purposes, a, a podcast. It was every Wednesday <laughs> afternoon. Um, we, we took questions from fans on, uh, via AOL instant messenger which is also, you know, not around anymore. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it. And, you know, I had a, a co-host, um, started out with Sean Broderick, who was a guy who worked in, in game night staff. And then uh, Matt Charbonneau, who was a guy who was uh, the, the second PR guy for the Caps in those days. And then Corey Massey, who replaced him as the second PR guy. And then eventually Brett Leanhart, who came on as, as a, a, a digital media producer and is now the Caps video coach. So um, 
you know, I think we were the first team to go into the locker room and get post-game video. Uh, one of the first teams to do post-game pressers of, of coaches. And our philosophy always was, this is a tough town for a, a hockey team. You know, everything is about the football team here. Um, there, the Nationals weren't around yet in those days. The Wizards and the Caps really didn't have a, a large footprint in the sporting landscape. And people still sort of got their some of their sports news from like the, the local news, the, the 10 o'clock news. And we didn't get a lot of highlight uh, traction with, with those stations and such. So we tried to, to cover ourselves the way we hoped to be covered, you know, objectively, but we would uh, try to do the things that the newspapers and the, the local stations weren't doing. So, you know, that's how we came to, you know, we would love for channel seven or channel nine to have, you know, a bite of Ron Wilson talking after a Caps game in those days, but they didn't have the time for it. You know, those, those slots were very regimented. So we're like, well, why don't we just shoot the whole press conference and put it up online? And in those days it took maybe an hour to shoot it and get it up there. And then eventually we were streaming them live actually. Um, and, and, you know, obviously now, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're streamed live, but there, there's, there were some problems with that, but um, they're up pretty quick. Um, you know, within, within probably 20 to 30 minutes after the game, the, the people who shoot those are, are um, you know, we, we might be on the bird getting up and out of town and uh, to the next place on a road trip. And, and they get that, that content up there um, really quickly, usually quicker than, than I can uh, get the, the post game recap up there. So um and then, you know, like you said, Will, social media comes in and that that changes everything uh, again. And, and now you've got this immediacy of, you know, reporting on things as they happen with just a couple of sentences at a time and, um, you know, putting lines out from morning skates and uh, line rushes at games and, you know, interacting with with people as well. So, um that's put a whole different paint job on it too. But, you know, for me, I think the main thing was just trying to get used to being on camera because that was never something that was on my radar at all. And, and, you know, I, I still feel like I'm really clunky and, you know, you see somebody like Joe Beninati, who's a, a true seasoned pro at that, or Al Koken, somebody like that, who's just really good and they, and they've done it for decades. And, and you realize just how, how much you don't know and, and how really inexperienced you are at, at that sort of thing. So I'm happy to just, to just be a writer, but you know, when I'm needed to do other things, it's, it's a good thing. It's a fun thing. It keeps things fresh. So I'm, I'm always happy to do it. Obviously you said um, you've interacted with a lot of players before. Uh, do you have a favorite or memorable interaction or moment from your career so far? I mean, you know, the, the good thing about, I think, this game, and I, I covered, um, you know, Ignite had the Orioles site for a while. So I did, during the summer, I covered the Orioles for, for a couple of summers and, you know, got to know baseball players a little bit too. And I, I just got to say that hockey players are, are uh, just 
broadly speaking, a really, really good bunch of guys, pretty down to earth. There's not too many bad people that I've encountered, um, you know, over all these years. So it'd be, it'd be hard for me to single out any, I would say the ones that stand out for me are the ones that, that were a little outside of the ordinary day to day, uh, type of thing. So like we're in LA once, um, eight or 10 years ago and, Alex Ovechkin was invited to go to um, the ESPN studios. Um, and so he took a couple of us with him. Um, he was interviewed on camera by Barry Melrose. And um, we spent some time talking to Barry and Alex and Alex took us out for dinner afterwards. And, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. I spent a day with Nick Backstrom at the um, Swedish embassy in DC where you know, I learned a lot about his country and we walked around and we shot this whole thing. It was on camera. It was, was on the website. That was probably, I don't know, 2016, 17, maybe. Um, when uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov got here, probably a year or two after uh, he got here, he and I went out and had lunch together um, at a Russian restaurant where he ordered the food for us and we you know, sampled some dishes and stuff. And that was again, uh, shot on camera, something different, something out of the, out of the ordinary. And, you, you know, the conversation was not entirely about hockey, kind of the same thing. Tom Wilson and I uh, had lunch at silver diner in, in Arlington. Um, so those things, um, stand out, uh, to me where, you know, you get a chance to just kind of, you know, off the cuff a little bit and, and you're not, you know, asking them about, you know, a goal that they scored in the third period or something like that. And, you know, it's just a little bit different where you, you get a chance to, to delve into, uh, um, you know, a little bit deeper in, into uh, what a guy is all about and that sort of thing. And, you know, when we started up uh, our, our newest uh, podcast, uh, Break the Ice, uh, probably a couple of years ago, not, not too long before the pandemic, actually, that gives us uh, more of an opportunity to do that, that sort of thing as well. So I've really enjoyed that, um, you know, and getting different people on, on there and, and being able to take a little bit of a deep dive uh, into, into um, you know, everybody's got a story, right? Everybody's got a journey. How did you get from there to here? Um, those kind of things are interesting. Um, so uh, I, I think those, those are the ones that, that stand out for me. Um, over the years, I'm sure there there's some that that I'm forgetting, but you know, I, I just got to say that that pretty much every guy that's that's come through here has has been a you know a really uh, good person, uh, good human being, person that you enjoy spending time with, you know. Um, so I've been pretty fortunate in, in in that regard for sure. Yeah, I I can imagine that that makes you know doing the job a lot more enjoyable and just easier, you know, because it's like you're not doing it for, you know, a group of a-holes, you know, that you don't even like. It's, you know, guys that you get to know and are actually good people. So I, I can imagine that that makes it a lot more enjoyable. Um, do you have a, a favorite memory or any moment from the cup run or cup celebration that, that stands out? Yeah. I mean, that whole, uh, that whole couple of months was, was some ride, you know, cause you, you know, you, you, you try to stay objective, but, but obviously when you're, when you're doing this for as long as you, you've done it, you, you, you root for the story, you root for the people. Um, 
And, and these guys are my coworkers at the end of the day, right? So, and you see the frustration building in Alex and, and Nikki after year after year of disappointment. And um, you, you see it weighing on them and you see how, you know, the, the media pounding on them and hammering on them and oh, they'll never win and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, if you guys remember, like that was the year that a lot of people proclaimed that the window had closed. This, this team is, you know, uh, they, you know, they'll make the playoffs, but they're, they're a middling team and, you know, things just sort of fell into place. And, and I think until you get that far, you, you don't really understand uh, how, how many things have to go your way? Like you need health, you need some bounces. Um, certainly, back going back to the '98 season, um, the 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 doors just kind of opened. That team, if I remember right, was fourth or fifth seeded, and all of the high seeds got knocked out in the first round. The Caps wind up basically having home ice all the way to the uh, to the final until when they met Detroit and got got swept but you know they got so many good breaks on their way to just to getting that far and winning 16 games at that time of year is I mean that's what makes the Stanley Cup the hardest trophy to win in sports is because it's such a grind to get there it takes two months mm-hmm. you got to win 16 games there's all the travel there's uh, all the overtime games, there's, you know, all the injuries and blocked shots and bumps and bruises, and they all accumulate and guys are in and guys are out. And I mean, it, it's really, it's really a grind. So I, I got to say that I really appreciated that whole run from, from start to finish. But I mean, one thing that stands out is game three in Columbus in the first round, right? They lost the first two games at home. Uh, second one in overtime, maybe both of them in over overtime. And Philip Grubauer, Grubauer started both games. I think uh, Braden Holby came out in relief in maybe the third period of game two. And I remember after game two, Alex Ovechkin saying to the media in that locker room on camera, we're going to bring this thing back here tied in a couple, you know, four days, whatever day it was. When we come back here, the series is going to be tied. Um. Me going into Columbus for game three, and that, that game's in overtime, and they hit a couple of posts, the Blue Jackets did, and you're you're like, man, lose this game, and season's over. You know, Barry Trotz probably gets fired. Um, you know, all the you had all this stuff, and what's going to happen to these guys? Are they going to get traded? Uh, you, you just don't know. I mean, everything was kind of teetering right there. And, um, you know, typically – I come downstairs a little bit before the end of the game, maybe with five, six minutes left, because we had a lot of stuff to do downstairs. And most buildings in the league, it's a long hike to get from the press box down to the locker room. And you don't want to be late getting in there. We want to go right into the room and get what we need right away. Um, So we came down. And then the game goes into overtime. So, you know, we're not in the press box anymore. We're actually in the um, the video coach's room. We're watching with them. We're trying not to, you know, trying to be quiet. They're working. We're working too, but we can't really do our work until the game's over. So finally, when, when Lars Eller scored that goal, that shifted everything, you know, because, 
you lose that game, you're down three nothing. You're probably not coming back from that. Realistically, you're probably not coming back. So um, being in there and, and watching that happen stands out because that that was a massive thing. And there was a similar situation in Pittsburgh too um, when they won Game Six in over in overtime on Kuznetsov's goal because that room in Pittsburgh is really tiny. So you got the two video coaches, you got us two digital guys, and then Nick Backstrom, Tom Wilson, Andre Burakovsky were also in there because they didn't play that game. Uh, Tom was suspended. The other two guys were hurt. So we were all just crammed into that room um, waiting to see what happened. And then, you know, as soon as that goal is scored, there's jubilation in the room. Me, I just have to leave right away because I, you know, can't be jubilant. Just open the door, leave, let those guys celebrate. And and now I got to go walk to the locker room and go in and, you know, do my job and stuff. So those things stand out. Certainly the, uh, the post-game celebration and in Las Vegas is, is something I'll never forget. <laughs> and walking into the MGM grand with, with Alex Ovechkin, uh, <laughs> carrying the Stanley cup in there and people looking at him going, is, is that the Stanley cup? You know, <laughs> the, that kind of thing. I mean, th- that's a once in a lifetime experience. And, and so th- that's all pretty unforgettable. The, the flight home, um, only you time know, the, the people the, in Vegas will see a cup. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, man. You never know. In this game. Um, yeah, they got to check Eichel now. So I don't they're yeah, heating up a, good, a little bit. That's a good right point. Now too. <laughs> They're heating up a little bit, but, um, you know, the parade too, like what, what a great day, uh, for sports in Washington for, uh, I mean, just a perfect weather day. I never expected to see that many people, you know, like I said, I, I remember 1998 when the Caps were in the cup final and uh, half the building was filled with Red Wings fans then. So this, this city has really come a long way in terms of, uh, it's, um, it's hockey cachet, you know, and, and so that really it was it was just great to see that, you know, but but more than anything, it was just really good to see Nick and Ovi and Tom Wilson, you know, all the guys who had been at it for so long and uh, trying so hard to to get to where they finally got to, and just to see the relief and the joy in those guys was was pretty uplifting for me personally too yeah i'm jealous um (laughs) so uh having been you know with the team for a while there are obviously players that come and go throughout the years um who's someone that you have a good relationship with or that really stood out with you either now or during their time with the team that's no longer with the team uh who's somebody that you know really stuck out with you is just like a great person and someone that you'll remember yeah i mean there's lots of them um you know right from the beginning um the, the guys my first year um Oli kolzig joe Ricky, brendan witt were uh, a couple of my favorites and you know guys that i i still maintain good relationships with um to this day uh um, you know, and then later on guys like, uh, Eric fair, uh, Mike Knubel, um, you know, I've always been drawn to kind of the lesser lights too. guys like Tyler Sloan and Quentin Lang. Um, Carl Alsner was awesome. There, there's, there's a lot of guys on the current team too, that, you know, 
Tom Wilson, John Carlson, um, that, that, that I really enjoy talking to, um, you know, whenever I, I need something, but yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, there, there's not, there's, there's not many guys that, that I don't have a, a pretty warm relationship with. And, you know, it's just, that's just kind of the way the game is, right? You, you, that's one of the things I really enjoy about the game is the, uh, the camaraderie between the players. Um, one of the coolest things uh, after a game is just you, you, you finish talking uh, to guys in the locker room and you, you finish listening to the coach talk and you're walking down the hallway to, to get started on writing. And you can always see a huddle of two or three or four guys from both teams catching up. Maybe they played junior hockey together. Maybe they uh, maybe it was an, like last night after the game, we, we walked to the bus. Brendan Dillon is is standing there talking to five or six caps. And, and as guys are, you know, walking from the locker room to the bus, whether it's trainers, guys like myself, coaches, other players, everybody stops, says hi, shakes his hand, gives him a hug um, right up until the moment where where the bus pulls away. And I, I think that's that's one of the really great things about the game is you, you forge these relationships and and you you. You generally keep them. You may not see these people, you know, for years at a time, but uh, you text them or you hear from them or something happens and, you know, your phone lights up and you're like, oh, yeah, this guy. So it's uh, it's it's been good. But, you know, over over that many years, there's uh, there's been a lot of them. Uh, Mike, me and you share something in common. That's we both have a great head of hair. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to know what your secret is to having such gray hair. <laughs> Well, I don't know if there's a secret. I think it's genetics uh, more than anything. Like, um, <laughs> you know, I grew up in a military family. My dad was in the Navy for 24 years. So when I was little, he cut my hair out in front of the house. And it was a pretty traumatic experience. And, and you know, he only knew the haircut that, that was like about that long was the buzz cut. Yeah, that's that's what I did when I was younger, too. My dad only knew how to do buzz cuts. And I didn't want to go get it cut professionally. Oh, it was, that's it was better than a bowl cut, at least. Yeah, it was traumatic for me to to you know be be sitting out there and and being mocked by my uh, my buddies, you know he cut it in the driveway too, so it wasn't like <laughs> you know you want the open house. So Let the whole neighborhood watch. And me and my brother would get our hair cut in the driveway while our friends laughed at us. It was not fun. I, so no, once that I had sounds control, traumatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was for sure. Uh, so, so once I had control of my own hair, probably like seventh grade or so, I was like, man, I'm, I'm letting this stuff grow now. So I, I did probably, uh, you know, through high school and, and such, but I think it was probably longer in the, uh, in the cup final than in any other point. And that was not by design. It just, it happened that way. And then once you superstitious, right? You, yeah. So, I'm, so what I'm not, hearing not, is that you need to grow it back out longer. Well, not so much me, but but you'd say, well, man, my hair is just way too long. Well, you, you can't cut it now. So I, I just I think it was the day after the parade that I, I finally got it. Uh, I finally got it cut. But my dad has my dad turned 83 last uh, two months ago and he's still got a full head of hair. So I think that's uh, that's where genetics. it came from. But yeah, mine's nothing like Jake's. Mine's maybe back in the day, but. Jake, Mike me. Vogel just complimented your hair. You're, you're set That's for life That's all I now. need. <laughs> so, uh, so you've obviously been with the Capitals longer than, you know, our legendary Alexander Ovechkin. 
But uh, how soon into his career could you tell that he'd be a superstar? And uh, did you ever imagine that he'd grow into the player that he is today, you know, potentially becoming the league's all-time leading goal scorer? That's funny. Funny you ask that because, you know, that was the day. Those were the days uh, back in, you know, 03, 04 when we had just launched Caps Report. And so, and there was, you know, that 03, 04 team was legendarily bad. They were not a good hockey team. They started off with, uh, you know, uh, high hopes of being a good hockey team, but things fell apart quickly and there was a fire sale. And that's actually what obviously led to, um, Alex Ovechkin being here. Uh, and, and, you know, there was, there was a lot of trauma in, in the Washington hockey community at the time, seeing guys like, uh, Sergei Gonchar, Robert Lang, um, and especially Peter Bondra get traded away. I mean, Bondra was a, a legend here for a long time too. And, and the fans loved him. And he, uh, you know, that th- he shares some things with, with Obi. he was, he also had that, that kind of exuberance um, when he scored or when anybody scored. So he was a fan favorite and he, he earned that, that, that fan favorite designation. So people were greatly upset when he was traded away and, um, they actually there was a there was a bunch of people who were lobbying and advocating after the lockout for Bondra to be reacquired. And by that time, I had seen Ovi play at the World Juniors. You know, during the lockout, they sent me to Grand Forks, North Dakota, to watch the World Juniors. Malkin, Crosby, Ovechkin. It was it was a heck of a tournament that year, and. Um, Canada kind of blew the doors off Russia in the final. Um, that Canada team was stacked. It had like Getzlaf, uh, Perry, uh, a, a ton of really good, uh, really good hockey players. Um, but you could see that Ovi was going to be some kind of player. No chance that I thought he'd be, you know, but, uh, there's no way I looked at that guy and said, oh, he's, he's a 500 or a 600 or 700 goal scorer. You think, oh yeah, he's he's gonna be a good player. He, he's gonna have a good career. He he should spend 10, 12, 15 years in the league and you know score 20, 30, 40 goals, whatever. No chance. I looked at that guy and thought he would grow into the legend um, that that he has and that he is. Uh, it's yeah, you, you could see that he was gonna be a really good player, but you know to to be able to point to someone when they're 18 and say, yeah, that, that, that's a hall of famer. I don't think I've ever, I definitely haven't. I don't know about scouts, right. That I, I would love to know if, 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 if any scout anywhere and see to me, scouts kind of keep it close to the vest. Even if they think a guy is going to be a hall of famer, they're not going to say it out loud. So I, I, uh, for sure didn't think I, I thought he was, going to be a really, really good player, you know, all-star, but no chance uh, that I don't think anybody could have predicted that, you know, what, uh, 17 years after he was drafted that he'd be within, what are we, 150 or so now of of Wayne Gretzky? I I don't think, I don't think there's, nobody has that crystal ball. So I, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Yeah. I'm glad that, you... I'm glad that happened. <laughs> yeah, me I mean, it's, it, 
I mean, it's it's been great. It's been great for hockey in this area. It's been great for youth hockey. Uh, you know, it, it's changed everything. I mean, if you think about just the way the caps are covered, um, the way the, the arena is now, the, the vibe when you're in the arena, the, the way you feel um, watching games, it's changed everything, literally. Um, it's, it's night and day. And, and, you know, John Walton and I say it all the time, um, on our broadcast stuff, um, enjoy it while you can, because nothing lasts forever, and you're in the midst of greatness, and you, you just gotta savor it and appreciate it uh, while you're watching it happen. I remember when uh, when Kako and Hughes were coming into the league. I heard a few people say like, "This is the next like Crosby Ovech." I was like, "You are out of your mind!" Like, th there is nobody. You you can't ever predict that kind of thing. I mean, the only player I can think of that that we thought was going to be as good as they are coming to the league is McDavid, uh, and I guess he was kind of a slam dunk. You couldn't really get him wrong. But yeah, and, and Eichel was right behind him too. So you know that that was a pretty good one-two punch. Every once in a while, you you'll get those. But yeah, it's uh, I mean. There, there's a few first overall picks that, you know, went on to have very ordinary or normal or even underwhelming careers, too. So there's just, you know what, I always say that now that there's 32 teams in the league, you show up on draft day, you're 18 years old and you're waiting to hear your name called. Your story has 32 different possible outcomes where you get drafted could change everything. It, it could alter the, the course. It will, for sure, alter the course of your life. What happens with um, the coaching staff, uh, your line mates, all that stuff is different. No matter where you go, your teammates, your, your future friends, possibly your spouse, all those sorts of things are going to be different depending on where you go. So it's a, it's a total butterfly effect lottery. When, when you show up at the draft, um, you know, and a lot of times you kind of know who those first one, two or three players, where they're going to go. But after that, it's it's a total crapshoot. And, you know, I think a lot of guys have, have really benefited from that, where they, they got to the right team at the right time and flourished. And I think, you know, it works the other way, too, where a guy might be a really talented hockey player and maybe he gets blocked by, you know, he's a defenseman and he joins a team that has six healthy, good defensemen, never really gets a good look. Uh, maybe a coach doesn't like him or kind of buries him a little bit. Crisis of confidence. Confidence is so important in this game. There's all, all kinds of things that can intervene on your way to, you know, getting to the hall of fame or whatever your, your career goals might be. So, um, I think, you know, most guys, I think, are, are just pretty, pretty happy to uh, to get to the NHL and stay there as long as they can, because getting there is one thing and staying there is another thing uh, altogether. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 a real it's a real crapshoot, you know, and it used to be, I guess, when I started a 26 team crapshoot. Now it's it's 32. But your your, your story, uh, I maintain it. Uh, it, it's got a bunch of different possibilities depending on where you go and, and what the atmosphere and the climate and the culture and all that stuff is. One of the drafts that I always, I always think about, like you said, how, you know, where you land can, can change absolutely everything. But uh, in 2014, when uh, 
the Panthers drafted Ekblad number one overall, and then the Sabres took Sam Reinhart, and then the Oilers took Dreisaitl third overall. But uh, just like imagine like what the league would be like differently now. Like imagine if Dreisaitl had gone first overall, how insanely good the Panthers would be. And like, yeah, and like, you know, the Sabres, if they had taken Ekblad second or something, it's like their defense mm-hmm. would be significantly better because, you yeah. know, he's he's a Nor- Norris caliber defender this year. So that's, that was definitely a, an interesting draft. And I mean, S- Reinhardt's, you know, obviously no dry sidle, but, you know, he's had a decent career so far. But, yeah. but you know, it's just it's always like it's crazy to think about, like, where people go and like where they are now. So well, speaking of uh, of goals, uh, Alex Ovechkin has scored a lot of them in his career. Uh, I believe we're up to 742? 752, I think, after last season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just forget because he scores so many all the time. Uh, so what is your favorite goal? I mean, I've still got to go with... Uh, I've still got to go with the goal. Okay, other uh, than the that. Phoenix. <laughs> um, and, other and, than I mean, that man, night that's... in the desert. <laughs> So, so that that trip uh, started in Dallas. They they lost in Dallas. wasn't even close. I think he may have scored the only goal in that game, if I remember right. I think they lost four uh, one. Went to Anaheim after that. Played a game there on Friday the thirteenth. It was January thirteenth. Um, they beat the Ducks that night three to two. He um, plastered Lubomir Vishnovsky into the glass, one of the hardest hits uh, I, I, I can remember seeing him make in those days. Um, like I said, scored all three goals. If you see that, you know, the, the um, I don't know if you guys have seen the opening uh, that they run uh, at Caps games this year, but uh, there's this there's this quick visual of Ovi doing this whole, like, on his belly, mouth agape, he's like he's swimming. Um, that was from that Anaheim game. And and it's a similar to what he did when he was in the fountain at Georgetown, you know, when they, they took the cup there um, in the summer of 2018 too. But he that happened in overtime. He scored the game-winning goal in overtime. That was his first career hat trick on Friday the 13th on that second game of that trip. And then that weekend was the rookie party. We flew to Phoenix right after the game and – we had Saturday off, and those guys went out and did their their rookie party thing. Um, guys were pretty hungover for practice on Sunday, and the, the game in Phoenix was on Martin Luther King Day. It was an afternoon game, uh, and always scored earlier in that game a, a very ordinary uh, goal. But yeah, just you know, just watching that, I remember. Um, there was a guy who was a scout. I was sitting next to a scout from the Blue Jackets at that game. And I remember I remember watching him score that goal. And this this guy and I just we just looked at each other and we didn't say a word. We were just like, did that really just happen? You know, and then you watch Wayne Gretzky looking up on the Jumbotron going, How? It, I mean, it, it was no matter how many times I see it, no matter how many times I hear Joe B's call of that goal, it'll never be enough. So yeah, I, I gotta say it's that one. When when we had uh, Joe Beninati on last year, um, you know, obviously the that night in the desert got brought up, and uh, if you've if you've heard it, our intro to our podcast every episode is 
Joe Beninati's call for that goal, the, you know, Ovechkin curl and drag to the backhand, you know, simply sensational. And uh, he was, he was telling us the story of that, you know, when that goal happened, cause it was near the end of the game and it was a blowout. Yep. And uh, he mentioned how, how locker was like already packing up his briefcase and like ready to go home and get on the plane. And then, you know, Joe B was telling us, he's like, you always got to be ready. Cause you know, at any instant, yep. the most insane goal of, someone's career or the history of the league could happen just like that. And, you know, it's like just how insane that was. It's like something none of us are ever going to forget, but and that, what that's, a goal it was. Going back to it, what I said earlier in the show is uh, that's what makes Joe B the pro that he is. He recognizes exactly what you just said, Eric, that that, that kind of stuff can, can happen at any time. And also, you know, a kid can score his first NHL goal, maybe his only one. And so he, he might want to have that right at, 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 at some point. So I, I, I think that's one of the things that makes Joe the, the pro that he is, is that he, he recognizes and realizes the, the significance of everything. And he treats it, treats it as such, gives it the gravity that it deserves. Definitely. Joe B's the greatest. Love him. Yeah, for real. Um, What's your what's your personal favorite part of working in the field of sports media? And I know it's very that's kind of sometimes broad, but what's your favorite? Yeah, I, I think I think Jake, uh, something that I mentioned earlier, just the the unpredictability of it. You know, every day is different. You don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't know what's going to happen. Just uh, for me, that's the magic of sports and, you know, the comp, the competition, just, you know, watching two, two teams, two players, uh, going head to head and, you know, one-on-one situations, um, all that kind of stuff, uh, highs, lows, all of it. Um, that, that's, that's for me, what, what fuels all of it, you know, that you can walk into a movie theater and, and be excited to be entertained for a couple hours. But a lot of times, you know, you watch the first five minutes of a film, you can kind of figure out where it's going or, you know, how it's how it's going to end. And there's not there's not a lot of surprises uh, there. But, man, that weekly, daily in in the National Hockey League, if it's not in a Caps game, I mean, you don't have to look far. There's I mean, look at the the, the Trevor Zegras, uh, Sonny Milano goal, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you don't have to wait very long for, for something, something, whether it's something wacky or something amazing, uh, some incredible feat of athleticism, whatever it is, you don't have to wait very long for something like that to come down the pike and to witness it. And if you're, you know, if it's something that you're, you're actually in the building when it happens so much the better, because you know, that, that's something that's going to stick with you, uh, forever, probably. So. Yeah, I think for me that that's just what it is. That's the best part of it. It's just uh, there's nothing that's really. I mean, there is a routine to it, right? A game day unfolds kind of the same way every day, but but not exactly. So there's there's always something that's different. You know, no matter how many hockey games you've seen, there's a chance you'll see something that you've never seen before. So you know, I I think that that kind of just just keeps keeps it interesting and, and it drives you forward too. Definitely. So, um, you know, like you, you just said, uh, you know, the unpredictability of the sport of hockey obviously makes for a lot of good content and a lot of things to write about. 
And, you know, as we all know, we're very fortunate to be fans of a team with, you know, talented players like Alexander Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, etc. you know, for, for years and years and years, even though only one cup's come from it. But we've obviously been given plenty of good stuff to talk about and to write about. But uh, is there any uh, specific part of hockey that's like your favorite thing to write about or the most interesting thing to write about? Um, I, I like, I like just guys' stories, you know, how they, how they got to, you know, and, and, and I, that, that's not always something that I write about. Sometimes it's, it's just, you know, lately I, I would say there, there was a time probably 15, 20 years ago where I wrote a lot more feature stuff, but I tend to write really long and, and, um, uh, the I would say the audience has 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 changed a little bit, and people don't necessarily like to read really long anymore. And I still probably go a little too long on on some of the day to day stuff that I write. That's just you know like a, a post game notebook or a, a skate shavings type of thing. But I mean, I try to just empty the notebook and empty the quote book too. If a guy said it, I try to find a way to use it. Um, if if I find it. To, to be interesting. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's a real tough question just because there's, there's so much, right. Um, I mean, a game like last night just offers so many different angles and storylines that you can never possibly hope to catch up to them all. And, uh, you get a guy like uh, matter when coming in and playing less than five minutes and finding a way to pick up an assist on the, first goal of the game which i thought you know in a game like last night where you're you're playing without seven regular players and you're you're uh you're playing with one of your four regular centers against shifley and dubois that you know scoring the first goal would be pretty useful last night i thought and and turns out it was so yeah i I think i mean there's not there's really there's really nothing that i don't like writing about I, I would say the only part of my job that i'm not enamored of is is transcribing um I, i'm bad i'm a, i'm a bad typist i make a lot of mistakes i'm a little dyslexic i'm very slow as far as uh pounding things out and i hate like listening back and trying to you know you talk to a guy for 10 minutes and then you got to sit down and and go through and, and transcribe it and, that for me is the only drudgery that I would associate with my job. I would say every, all the rest of it is, is great. And, you know, there's, there's really nothing that I don't uh, enjoy writing about, whether it's stuff that happens on the ice or, uh, or off the ice and, and just, you know, understanding what made a guy evolve from, you know, a guy like Nick Jensen, who, you know, when he got here was seen as maybe a third pair type of guy who's now, you know, a pretty good shutdown defenseman. I think the uh, the Orloff, that's actually a story that I have in the works right now that probably see the light of day here in the next few days is um, the fact that those two guys, and if you remember um, back before the pandemic, they played together a little bit, but they just seem to have gelled this time around. And, and I think that those two guys are, um, you know, one of the reasons why this team has had so much success so far this season. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's a fertile game 
for all kinds of stories and angles. Um, and analytics has added to that too. You know, you can, you can now shine some light on things that, you know, 30, 40 years ago, maybe it wouldn't have been as easy to show people why a Jensen Orloff pairing was so effective or what made them so effective um, without, you know, talking to those guys, you know, if you're just going to use numbers, I mean, you could point to plus minus or something, which is a, you know, an incredibly flawed stat. And that's pretty much all that was available back in those days. So, I mean, it's, um, it's a game that, that's, uh, I, I think everybody approaches the game and watches the game differently too. So depending on how your brain works and, and how you see the game and your experiences with the game, those are kind of the things that you're, you gravitate to, uh, to writing about. And, you know, hopefully there's an audience of people out there who are receptive to that or think that way too, that, you know, want to read what you're writing. Are you in support of Nick Jensen for Norris? Well, I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think he's that caliber of, of uh, defensive, but I think. Well, you Mike, know, it was that, nice having you on the show, but we're going to have to ask I, you to head out now. <laughs> I think he and Orloff are are arguably right now through the first thirty games of this season, you know, one of the top two or three shutdown pairs in the league, which which I think is is great and I, I love the way nick jensen plays the game agreed put jensen on the power play and his norris case goes through the roof i'm telling you <laughs> jensen for uh, norris that's our epi title today. by the way i type it 100 words per minute if you know you need you ever yeah, need if you give him a job <laughs> just just keep it in the back of your mind um so hey, i wrote i wrote the itinerary so you know <laughs> I'll shut up now. I'm talking about pure raw typing speed here. Um, so, uh, we love jerseys here. Uh, I know I'm wearing a shirt, but you know we love jerseys yeah. on the Pizzas Here podcast. And a question that we have to ask every guest, and that I think is especially interesting to ask ask you, mm. uh, given that you get to see them in person every day. What's your favorite jersey? Yeah, that's a tough one. There's a lot of really sharp ones. I think I. I yeah, uh, actually, Eric, I, I do have to say that I'm I'm partial to the original, um, the old school for sure. The and the red more more so than the white, but I do I do like the blue with the W. Uh, I didn't like the black, the black bronze dalliance very much at all. I I didn't understand it. Um, but it's it's in in retrospect, I I don't mind. Uh, it, for me, it's kind of jarring seeing the the um, the eagle on a red sweater, you know. So that one, that that more more recent uh, third jersey incarnation is, yeah. See, I don't mind like that Colzig that like I don't I I don't mind the white. It was the black and yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, yes. <laughs> That one's the one I struggle with. That that one that last. You don't like one. the reverse retro? <laughs> I love that shit. Yeah, the reverse retro is beautiful. I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, everybody's got their uh, everybody's got their their uh, their own tastes and and whatnot. But you know, I do I do think that uh, simple is simple is better in in most cases, and I think that that's that's why uh, 
things like the Bruins and um, the Canadians and, you know, some of the, some of the ones that, that really don't change a whole lot over mm -hmm. the years, even the Maple Leafs um, are, are, you know, the classics are, are, are the classics for a reason. I'm not, I'm not big on teams that, that are just kind of cycling through, uh, you know, like uh, Arizona or, uh, you know, Anaheim, the, the teams that just cycle through uh, various color schemes and, and logos and stuff. That, that, that's a little maddening to me. Anaheim's but, got the worst uni combos in the league. That's an easy, that's an easy answer. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree with that. Off the top of my head, I, I don't. So, so which one is your favorite? I didn't catch the answer. Oh, I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, I mean, like I said, I think the original six, most of the original six uh, ones, I, I got to say though, last night, those Jets uh, unis, that they, they wore those classic, uh, like the WHA, uh, old, like old Winnipeg Jets. I like those a lot better than, than the, and I, and I, I like the Jets uh, look. That, that that sort of gray and and blue with a little bit of red, but I I thought you know last night was my first time seeing those and I thought they looked so sharp on the ice and, and especially contrasted with the Caps white jerseys and I loved how they looked on TV when I when I like I said I went downstairs with about five six minutes left and watched the the last part of the game on a monitor uh, I thought it looked really sharp on on a TV screen too. Yeah. Uh, you were saying you just got back from a from a road trip. What is your favorite city you've traveled to uh, for your job, and which city has the best food? Um, I mean, for me, Chicago's my kind of my home, and uh, so Chicago pizza is, is a, a a thing that I unfortunately missed out on this time because we weren't allowed to leave um, the hotel. Uh, and we were there for three nights too. So that was, that was pretty painful, but I love Vancouver. That's probably my favorite city to go to. Um, Montreal's right up there too. Uh, I lived in Boston for a while. I love going back there. Um, Chicago. Absolutely. Um, I think those are, those are the ones, uh, I like going to, LA, my daughter lives there. I get to see her when I'm there. Um, that's uh, th those are the ones. Those are the ones that that stand out for, for me as as the best, and 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 the ones that I really look forward to. New York too, you know, to to play the Rangers when you're when you're staying in Manhattan is is always good. Um, and over the years, the, the hotels have switched enough that I've gotten to see a good part of the city. You know, from kind of from top to bottom. Episode so titled say, "Deep Dish." <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to order some uh, some frozen Zaz and get them get them shipped here because yeah, I didn't get my fix in while I was there this time. Sadly, <laughs> that's perfect. All right, so brings us to our our manscaped read for this episode. So, uh, Will, go ahead. You're muted, buddy. Muted. Good lord. I got so into it. I don't know if I could replicate that enthusiasm. <laughs> Just need to All check right. your damn Let's screen. Go. I switched to be able to read it. Uh, ho, 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 gentlemen. 
The holidays have come early this year, as Manscaped have the gift that keeps on trimming. Santa's beard isn't so appealing when it's coming out of your trousers. And that's why Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, have you covered this holiday season. Now available in your country, join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to keep their trees trimmed and ornaments polished. Go to manscaped.com and use code PHP for 20% off and free shipping. That was notably better than your first time. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that, Mike. Well done and well done. (laughs) You should write that down, Will. Get that tattooed, well done, quote Mike Vogel. We'll put it on, we'll put it on the resume. <laughs> Maybe I'll be able to finally land an interview. <laughs> so uh, now just, uh, you know, let's talk about the Capitals a little more. So we only had two games since our last episode. Uh, but on Wednesday, we lost in overtime to the Chicago Blackhawks, 5-4. You know, we've seen that before. And then Friday, yesterday, we... Won 5-2 in Winnipeg, and Ovechkin scored, so it was a double win. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, Mike, what's your uh, what's your take on just those two games? Like, uh, what do you think went well, and uh, what do you think didn't go well? Well, I think in Chicago, it was, uh, it was a stretch there of three or four minutes in the uh, second period where it got away from them. Yeah. Um, obviously, Chicago scores three goals in 34 seconds, which... I think somebody told me yesterday was the first time since the early nineties that the caps had been, had given up that that many goals in um, that short of a period of time. So that means I had not seen that before. Kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier too, that stick around long enough. You'll see something you've never seen. Um, But I liked the way they came back. Um, I thought they were pretty resilient, you know, being down three to one um, missing Kuznetsov that night, Nikki's first game back. Um, I thought the Sprong goal was massive at the end of the second period. Um, and, and, you know, for a guy who struggled a little bit, and, but is very capable of, of scoring from, uh, I mean, all kinds of angles can really shoot the puck. I, I thought that was good to see him score that one. And, you know, I think guys like him can kind of get streaky in both directions. And he's been on a little bit of a cold spell here. And now he gets another one last night, both of them short side goals. Uh, hopefully you, you like to see that maybe launch him on a little bit of a heater. Because I think that's one of the things that's when you look at the, the overall success to this point, obviously um, the, the big dogs, guys like um, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Wilson, Carlson, those guys have played lights out while, while uh, Backstrom's been out of the lineup, Mantha's been out of the lineup, et cetera. You've had the, the COVID run. And then the complimentary players, the guys like Jensen and Orlock that we just talked about, Lars Zellers heating up here in the last 10, 12 games too. Connor Sherry uh, also was snake bitten early in the season. It's has heated up too. So the complimentary players, but you know, we're also for, for the last any number of years here, we haven't seen too many kids come up from Hershey just because this team's been so good and so healthy. We haven't seen a lot. We haven't, you know, we draft these kids. You don't see them. Uh, sometimes you you get through their their three year entry level. You you maybe see them play a game here or a game there. And so now I think 
it's been out of necessity this year, but we're really get, getting our eyes open by the performance of some of the young players. Too. So I think it's been a real good team uh, effort that's gotten them to the 30 game mark with, with a, a really good record um, despite all the, the guys that they've been missing from the lineup. And I think that's, I think, look, we got a long way to go, right? 30 games does not a season make, but I like the way things are are trending team-wise. I think these guys really enjoy each other. They enjoy playing with each other. Uh, and I think it's it's if they can ever get everybody healthy at the same time, or even most of the guys healthy at the same time, um, it's going to be fun to see which ones of the young guys stick around and are, you know, part of the plan uh, going forward. So, uh I think you know we've seen a lot of that on this this last road trip because they they trailed in Buffalo, came back and and got two points out of that one. Um, they trailed by two goals late in the second period in Chicago, came back and got a point out of that one. You know they had to come back again in the third period after I I, you know, I know T.J. Oshie was very upset with the call uh, when when uh, Jonathan Taves went down there and DeBrinket scores the power play goal. Um, now it's four, three, and there's only, I think five minutes left at that, at that stage of the game, something like that. Um, and it didn't look good. You know, you pull a goalie and you're, you're, you're down to the last few seconds. And, and I think the caps had the puck behind the net behind their own net. Um, they were 200 feet away and, and you're like, okay, well, what do they got? And again, it was TJ Oshie, uh, making that play to get, get the puck up the wall, barely stay on side. Uh, you know, and they just put a puck at the net and get a bounce. And Connor Sherry uh, comes to him, and he knows knows what to do with it. And actually, kind of chunked it a little bit. Didn't get much on the shot, and that's kind of what made it go in. So it's kind of a shame that they lost that one um, in overtime. But getting getting points uh, is, is is what it's all about. So and they, they've been able to bank them. Um, but I thought last night's game in Winnipeg was even more uh, one of the more impressive wins I've seen uh, this year and really in, in a number of years, just given all the circumstances flying on the day of game, which, you know, is is a rarity. The last time it happened was uh, the year they won the cup. Those those, you know, they have the, the, the holiday break. Typically, those December 27th games, if you're on the road on December 27th, that's the day you're traveling. And if you look at who plays who on those days, it's typically they keep it kind of close. You know, they, they, they don't want teams to have to fly two or three hours to play on December 27th, because typically you're, you're flying first thing in the morning. You're, you're either not having a morning skate or you're having a really quick morning skate in your building and then going right to the airport. So um, we've had some adventures uh, travel-wise on on those kind of days, and you know travel can be un- unpredictable too. So I think just given everything, and you know I think the guys were were as a group were pretty devastated uh, when Nikki went into the um, COVID protocol too, because he is, as you can imagine, beloved by all of those guys, and they were so thrilled to have him back and he was so thrilled to be back he had worked so hard um and it was it was really tough to see him uh have to leave after just that one game and then you know you're going into winnipeg like i said earlier and you're going up against shifley and 
uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and all of a sudden Winnipeg makes a coaching change, and you're like, well, I mean, is this going to be a Boudreaux 2.0 uh, thing here where they're going to go on a run now? And you, you just never know how those coaching change uh, yeah. things are going to go, wh- whether it's the first game or the first two weeks worth of games or, or what. So I think there was, a, there was a lot of uncertainty going into that building last night. And they, 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 I thought Peter Laviolette said, said it well after the game. They we did what we had to do in the first period which really they played well and, and didn't, didn't fall behind. And then, you know, once you get that goal from Brett Leeson and then you get that goal from Sprong, now you're, you're, you're kind of off to the races. And, and uh, that thing that I've really liked about the goaltending this year is that those guys typically, you know, they might give up some goals. They might give us some bad goals from time to time, but they typically don't give up goals that put the caps behind. And, and so, you know, Tech. He's got a two nothing lead. He gives up the one goal, gives up the tying goal, but the Jets never led in that game, and that that's been a real kind of hallmark for both of those guys yeah. uh, this year. So yeah, I think it was a good week, good good three game uh, three game road week, and you got a home game against LA tomorrow and a couple of road games, and then you can kick back and take a little holiday break, and before you know it, we're going to be at the halfway mark. Yeah, um, I mean. We did lose to Chicago, but you know something we like to to feel like is a uh, if Ovechkin scores, did we really lose? You know that, that's all we care about. But <laughs> I, I totally, uh, yeah, I totally get that that sentiment for sure. I mean, uh, I think I think everybody's on board um, with. I think it's going to be a lot of fun here over the next three four years to watch him chase down the great one. So yeah. I, I think I think everybody's uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. So a couple of things that you, you touched on, we had already like written down that we wanted to touch on, but you already kind of got the gist of it. But like you said, you know, yesterday against Winnipeg, we were without a lot of our regular guys. And, uh, you know, we had three of our four starting centers out and uh, we had some interesting lines with uh, our centers being Eller, Connor McMichael, Protus and Scarbosa. And then we had Irwin, who's a defender on the fourth line playing some mm-hmm. left wing shifts, which is, you know, crazy. And, uh, like you also mentioned with uh, Bruce Boudreau, you know, he got uh, signed as the new head coach in Vancouver, and then now they're on a six-game win streak. So so that's definitely interesting and something that's going to be fun to, to look at for the next, you know, few weeks and rest of the season. But uh, another thing, we didn't really say it exactly, but Ovechkin did tie Dave Andrichuk for the most yeah. career power play goals with 274. Insanity. But uh, – yep. One thing that we like to do each episode is uh, we all go through one by one and mention one player just from that week that, you know, really impressed us or really stood out to us in a, in a good way. So uh, I'll let you get first pick. And uh, if there's someone that really impressed you this week, you know, just uh, who it is and a quick why. I think it was Alexei Protus for me. Um, you know, and I think there's a, there's a lot of guys that, that you can pick from really. Um, but, you know, you go back to the Buffalo game. Uh, he was blocking out the sun on Marty Fervari's goal in the third period. Protus right in front of the net. Um, he uh, he set up Sprong's goal last night. Uh, I just think he's he's really grown in in the I guess a month and a half here. So if you think back to his his NHL debut was on. November 1st in Tampa Bay. And he only played, I want to say less than four minutes 
He lost a face-off, uh, lost them a goal, and we didn't see much of him after that. He got sent down to the minors afterwards, but he was back uh, in, a, in a few days. And, and I just think he's he's made some real steady progress since to the point where you're seeing him play 17, 18 minutes in some of these games. Uh, and that shows you how much uh, the coach trusts him. You saw last night when um, Laviolette changed the lines in the second period. You put Protus with Sherry and uh, TJ Oshie. And that's the line that created the the game-winning goal last night. So, uh, for me, Protus has had a hand in some really big goals uh, throughout the week. And I just like this. I, you got to like the way he, he plays the game. He's got a, a great big body, a lot of reach, good wingspan. He's going to be a really good penalty killer. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, I think you can see him as a, a really good third line center uh, in, in the league. And, and I think he's going to be fun to watch, fun to watch him grow. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, so for mine, I'm going to pick Vitek Vanacek. Um, I know you talked a little bit about the goaltenders, you know, a couple minutes ago, but just, you know, yesterday. So, I mean, with the Blackhawks, I mean, Sammy didn't exactly have his strongest game, you know, considering letting in, you know, three in just a matter of minutes. Obviously, that's not just solely on the goaltender, but Vitek was, was phenomenal yesterday against the, the Jets. I believe he had like 40 saves on 42 shots, if I'm correct, but that's right. He was he was making some you know incredible saves last night like on Pierre Luc Dubois and I know he robbed Shifley at one point but you know Vitek just had a great performance last night so I'm gonna give my pick this week to him. Yeah, I mean I remember that one of the Vanacek saves like led directly to Sprong's goal, so you know he 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 was fantastic. That also makes it harder on me because I was going to go with him. So I'll have to think. I've liked the way that Connor Sherry has played recently. He's very, he's kind of just like doing his thing. He seems to be in the right place at the right time. You know, he's not going to absolutely rip one in the same way that Alex Ovechkin or any of those guys are, but he knows his role on the team and he's playing it very well. I mean, when we ask him to step into a top six, you know, position, uh, which isn't necessarily who, where he would normally be, he seems to do a very good job with that. He's fine with a lot of ice time, and he's he's getting pucks to the net. He's making good, crisp passes, and when he has his chances, he's scoring. So I think Sherry has been everything you could ask for, so I'll go with him. I think Mike lost connection. And Jake. Yeah, Jake, maybe, uh, Jake just got booted a minute ago, but now it's saying... Maybe the thing is, maybe the thing is breaking. Not saying that Mike lost connection. Uh, did it just... It just officially just, kicked Mike. I just, just me and the boys now. Oh, there he is. There we go. Okay. We, were, we got scared. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw you guys uh, disappear, but I've been here. All right. Oh, good. okay. Really? Oh, yeah, okay. That's for really us. Weird. Yeah. I don't know. It it kicked Jake, and then then for on my screen it said that your connection was lost, but your like your face your like M was still in the call. But uh, Jake Jake just got booted, so hopefully he can get back in. But um, 
So I don't know if you could hear Will, but he picked Connor Sherry, right? Yeah. Yeah, Sherry yeah. did have a good week. Big Sherry's been great. Day. Yeah. I was going to say, just about the Chicago game, uh, we beat them for 58 minutes. So yep. I wasn't too worried about it. I will say with the goaltending, I'm not saying that any of those goals alone are Samsonov's fault. Yeah. But you have to get one of them. I think you have to save one, probably, ideally two. I always think when there are two really great chances in a minute, you have to save one. Uh, so I guess yeah, when there are three and 30 seconds, you definitely have to save one. And yeah, there's nothing you can do on the first one. Yeah. First one's a five on three. They snapped it around. Yeah, 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 yeah You're point. right. You're right, Will. Uh, I, you know, you'd like to see him get the second or the third one. Um, but I will say, when the game was, I, it was, I don't know if it was 3 3 or it was 4 3 at that point, but it was in the third period. Uh, and Mackenzie Entwistle came down and uh, Sammy made an incredible save, very athletic to, to deny him. And without that save, I mean, the, you don't the get a point. point. Yeah. It doesn't happen either. So, you know, sometimes it's. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, jeez. You're right, too, Eric. Last night, um, he, he was monstrous. And, and the thing about Sherry that that um, actually I was interacting with someone on Twitter uh, earlier today is, uh, you know, the only reason they have Sherry is because of Henrik Lundqvist's heart condition. Right, they'd signed him for a 1.5 million dollars, and then he came down with a heart condition and had to step away. And they got a they got 1.5 million dollars worth of cap space, which isn't a ton of money, especially when the, the minimum salary is 700 thousand last year. But they managed to get Sherry and Zdeno Chara for for that for that money. So I thought they did a good job of pivoting uh, when when from the misfortune of losing. Lundquist, and honestly, guys, don't you think that the year that Nick spent playing with Zdeno Chara probably made him uh, a better defenseman than than he was the year before Z was here? And then you get Sherry; he comes in, plays one year here, likes it enough to sign a two-year extension. I mean that that's a good thing because you you got Sherry for a couple of years, but it's also a good thing because I'm. Um, I've been here long enough to remember when guys didn't want to come to Washington. They didn't want to play here. And now you're seeing guys, TJ Oshie's another example, guys who get traded here or sign here, Nick Dowd, another example, and they sign another contract and maybe even another contract where, you know, they, they could go anywhere. So this is actually a place where people want to come and, and play. And, you know, part of it is just down down. I, you know, when when the rink was in Landover and the team practiced in Odenton, Maryland, it wasn't an attractive place to play. And it wasn't an, an attractive place for a visiting team to come and, you know, go out and have a dinner the night before because you're, you're staying somewhere outside the Beltway. You're not staying downtown, right? So moving the rink downtown changed a lot of things. And then Alex coming here in 2005, 2006 changed a lot of things too. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, Jake is Jake has rejoined the call, but he he says that he can't hear us. <laughs> is there uh Mike? Did you have any questions for us that we could answer? Just uh, while we see if Jake can figure his technology out. Did you guys all grow up around here? Yeah, we're uh the three of us are all from Montgomery County, and then our fourth member who can't be with us today, Joey, he is from Nova, but. Yeah, none of us knew each other before we started this. Uh, it had all started from me jokingly tweeting on Twitter saying, who wants to start a Caps podcast? And then the three mm-hmm. of them all, all commented and were like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then what started as a joke has now become something more serious. So, you know, That's great. it's been a fun experience so far. I, uh, I, currently, awesome. I currently reside in Austin, Texas. Uh, I go to the University of Texas. Uh, so Petroleum I do miss... I do yeah. miss well, um, I do miss DC and like being able to go to games more often but yeah you know here for here for school and I do love it here I mean the city is awesome Yeah Austin's a great spot I got to spend a week there in 2010 covering the Bears winning the Calder Cup there well they didn't win it there but they played the Texas Stars uh they games 3 4 and 5 there and then they won it in uh, game 6 back in Hershey but Great town. We had a lot of fun there that week. I just got back from school like an hour before record, recording. I had to, I had to, you know, haul ass and get home. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So Jake is back now. Jake can hear us now. Say hi, Jake. Rip. Jake, I'm muted. Hello, I'm muted. Yeah, I know. I'm muted. I got to turn All this right. light. Cool. <laughs> so, so I picked Vitek Vanacek for my pick. Uh, you can hear us, right? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Okay, I picked Vitek. Mike picked uh, Protus, and then Will picked Connor Sherry. So you are you are up for player. I'll pick my two weeks in a row. I'm gonna go Eller. I said Eller last week. I thought Eller's been on a roll still. So go gotta go with Eller. No one took mine this time. That always usually somehow I always end up taking Jake's pick. Yeah, yeah. I always somehow take his pick. He took mine this time. (laughs) Yeah, I took I took Will. So good enough. Even if somebody takes. Guys, you can find somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was either gonna be Sprong or uh, Eller, but I'm going. Yeah. I'm still riding on that. No, Vetchkin was yelling at Sprong. We can't pick him. I picked. No, well, he <laughs> scored. It worked because he scored right after. So I mean, yeah. yell at him. Yell at everybody. But, but um, uh, I picked. Yeah, I picked Sprong last week because of his shootout goals. That had made me happy. <laughs> but uh, is there anything else that you guys wanted to wanted to touch on before we end things up? No. Nah. No, I'm good. Hopefully, I'm hopefully the NHL doesn't get too COVID-ridden. Hopefully, we can figure things yeah. out. You know, because we've had a few teams get suspended. Like the Flames have been getting, oh getting gosh, pushed back. Yeah. I think the Bruins have also, and just like a couple um, other teams. Florida. I don't know. Yeah, I don't Florida know the whole list, but yeah, Florida is out till Christmas, right, or something? Or might be. I don't know, but hopefully, yeah, this can get worked yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, I can't have Stay Ovech- safe. I can't have Ovechkin's goal count get hurt by another short oh season. Oh my gosh, man! I can't. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't have that. I'll intervene if anything happens. I... <laughs> now it's saying Mike's lost connection again. So if he pops back up, then we'll end it. <laughs> I want to thank him for coming on, but he's like, <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> 
So here we can we didn't even do predictions, so we can just like oh, we don't have to do predictions. We can just say what games are up next. So uh, let's see. Oh, back, back. Is Mike back? Yep. All right, cool. Yeah. Right. You had gone away for us from us for a minute again, but you're back now. All right, so let's let's finish things up before you get cut out again. So we play the Kings tomorrow at home at 7 p.m. Then we play the Flyers on Tuesday, and then we play the Islanders on Thursday. So uh, we can, we can do predictions. Screw it. I don't see why not. So I have to go to the restroom. Hope you're back. Yeah, that's fine. So all right. So we play the Kings tomorrow at home. Then we play in Philly, and then we play in or on Long Island. I don't want to piss anybody off. So, uh, Mike, I guess give us your your three game, you know, win loss predictions for the next three. Yeah, I gotta fail here. I don't I don't do predictions. That's 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 where I draw the line. I mean, uh, that takes all oh. the. Me. Oh, okay. Like all right. the, that's fair. I just like to roll. And let it happen. Let the wind take you wherever it pleases. Yeah. All right, Jake, what do you think? Uh, I think we beat the Kings. We beat the Kings last time we played them, right? I'm pretty sure. I always feel like we always do well against the Kings as well. So um, That was a Sammy shutout in LA. Yes, that's right, yeah. And we're playing um, them at home think, now. Yeah, I'm going to say we beat the Kings. I'm going to say we beat the, the Flyers in Philly as well, but then lose to the Islanders. Mm. That's my All quick. Right. That's three. fair. So I say we beat the Kings tomorrow. We're going to beat the Flyers because – the first time we played them this year, I was, you know, I was shit talking my friend at what's up at school who's, who's a Flyers fan, and then they beat us. So, so I need some vengeance. So we're gonna beat the Flyers on Tuesday, and then, the last game before Christmas we play, against the Islanders there. Uh, just because the Islanders have been very disappointing this year, I say they're gonna beat us just because that's how the Caps work. You know, we can't win all three games in a week. That never, that's not how it works. All right. Uh, that sounds like Will's back, so Will can give us his predictions, and then we'll. Oh, uh, what's up? Uh, what are your three-game predictions: Kings, Flyers, Islanders. I think we go two and one. I don't really know which game we drop. These are three teams we said. should beat, but at the same time, the team is reeling with injuries yep. and stuff. If they were healthy, it's an easy three. You know, I actually think the Islanders are so bad that I think that that's the one that, that will definitely win. That's what I said. That's oh, what that's, I just no, said. no, he said lose. He said yeah. No, you said lose. No, said no. Lose. oh yeah, no. I'm saying we're no, gonna lose to the Isles. Just, be, just <laughs> it's such a game that we should win, so we're gonna lose it. But uh, I think I think we two and one. I think if we have yeah. had to pick a game that we lose, awesome. probably to Philadelphia. I said right. we're going to win the first two and then lose to the Islanders because, you know, the Caps can't go 3-0 and during a week. So, mm-hmm. But uh, I think that I think that wraps everything up. So uh, how, about, how, how about I usually do a motivational quote to end the episode, but I'm going to ask you, Mike, what's a, what's a piece of motivation or advice for everyone listening? <laughs> and then we'll wrap it up. <laughs> Something off the top of the head, off the dome. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm pretty sure it was Wayne Gretzky who said this, but uh, the tragedy of being a pro athlete is that your your mental peak comes so far after your physical peak. So that's why you see guys who are, you know, young and talented, but they sometimes can't get a handle on it until it's sometimes too late. And then you see guys like Brooks Orpik who – are smart enough to take control of their careers and their lives and, and get the maximum out of 
the um, the time that they have as a pro athlete by you know working hard, maybe give up a few beers here and there, and putting good things in their body and taking care of it, and you know probably making a few extra million bucks uh, along the way. So be smart, make some money. <laughs> well, so we work it's, in it's on. just re- recognize that your uh, the peak of your body and the peak of your mind are two completely different things. Mm. Doesn't matter so much for guys like us, but for athletes, kind of important. Hey, I play I play D two lacrosse, top ten and top twelve in the country. Yeah, that's no big. <laughs> anyways thank you thank you so much for coming on today mike we uh we appreciate it very thanks, much guys. thanks guys thank, thank you very much happy holidays go caps yes go sir caps. Go caps. happy holidays go caps happy holidays. Have a good christmas you too guys take care <laughs>